I want to go to Matthew chapter 5 because I'm giving foundational teaching today um, and just getting you guys centered as we move out of 2021 and into the new year. How many of you are going forth with joy? You're being led forth with peace. You're trusting God. You intend to make obedient steps in the right direction with God. How many of you, that's your heart, okay? Well, I know God put that in you because... It says that God is at work in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And there's a developing thing happening on the inside of us. Jesus being the head of the church, he's the firstborn of many brethren. And then we're called to be imitators of him. And I'm going to show you a verse in Romans 8.29 after this that I think is the target for everything of our Christian life. Everything else cascades from this one particular point. But Jesus makes a point here. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. He said, you're the light of the world. And before that, he says, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Now let's read verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. Yesterday, my wife prepared a delicious, I repeat, delicious meal. I'm preaching hungry now, so here we go. I'm on, I'm on an intermittent fast. I haven't eaten since that meal and some of the cherry pie. Anyway, um, but she, how many of you have ever not put enough salt on a meal and it's what you would call bland? Let me see your hands. Okay, how many of you have ever oversalted and it was salty? So, but how many of you got it just right and you ended up being like Wolfgang Puck in your home, like you were the champion cook? Okay, so there's, there's, there's important balance with salt. And he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So God's urging us to maintain a savoriness and and make sure we understand the why of why we exist as the salt of the earth. Salt, as I just said, flavors bland food and makes it tasty. Uh, Salt, as we're going to find out next week, but we certainly didn't find out yesterday when it was 70 degrees, that it melts ice and snow. Um, So I see, you know, salt domes right behind us here with the city public works department and I saw actually a salt set up over here at the mall uh, surrounded by uh, big blocks and I knew there was salt in there. Um, In effect, this building right here, this is a salt dome right here. We are the salt of the earth. Uh, You know, one of my favorite things is a salt shaker that was given to me by Steve Kowalik's uh, mom and dad and it has uh, uh, AAA batteries in it and you put rock salt in it and you push a button and it lights up and it just salts and it's just awesome and uh, the pepper too you know and you can adjust it where it's just the right grain and and I just feel like that is what the Holy Spirit is doing in this church he's fine-tuning this salt shaker and he wants us not just to sit like a salt shaker it's just sitting there with salt it, it, it's just ornamentation the the reason I like the salt and pepper shakers is because when you shake them, stuff comes out and it's good. How many of you in this place realize your potential is to be uh, brought to places and to connect with people 
uh, and the potential is, to honor God and to help people is upon us uh, coming through a global pandemic, coming through all the harshness, coming through social division, coming through this, the accentuation of all this harshness. We've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. There's never been a more needed time for salty Christians to get out of the salt shaker and into the proximity of other people, right? And then also, he says, you're the light of the world. Look at somebody next to you and say, you're the light of the world. A city, look at this, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, since colonial days, the Judeo-Christian Pilgrim pioneers aspired to a country that would have life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, and they left the harshness of Europe where there was uh, a spiritual uh, control and, and, and human uh, imposition, and they longed for religious freedom. There was a percentage of them that longed for religious freedom. There were others who were capitalizing on it and marketeers and things like that because with all humanity there are always variables but at the at the heart of it at the heart of it was a drive to know God and make him known and to have a place of freedom of religion freedom of assembly freedom of speech and they they started to talk about this place as being a city set on a hill I've heard it in my young life I've heard it through currently uh, past leaders, you know, contemporary leaders from my lifetime. And Jesus certainly wants you to think of yourself as a city set on a hill, your family to be a city set on a hill, our local church to be a city set on a hill, and even regions to be a city set on a hill, like with Jerusalem. He said, um, they'll come to the brightness of your shining. And for each Christian, he just said to you, you are a carrier of the presence of God. Just spoke with a, a young man from southern India, and he showed me his Bible. Uh, it's the Tuliga language. Am I saying that right? And how many millions of people, that's their main language in southern India? Ten million people. How many dialects do you think there are on the continent of India with 1.4 billion people? I know there's Hindi, there's your language, but like, aren't they like a couple hundred languages? Thousands. And I told him, I said, I looked at his Bible, and I said, is the, is the uh, alphabet similar to Hindi? He goes, no, it's totally different. And I said, well, the one good thing is that God can understand this one. And he said, that's it. That's the most important thing, right? And um, so there we are. Believe in God for people all over the world, every nation, to get on this word. People ask, is, is, is your church a word church? Is it a Bible church? Yes. Is it a faith church? Yes. Is it a hope church? Yes. Is it a love church? Absolutely. Faith, hope, and love. If we walk in these basic essentials and we stay rooted and grounded on these fundamentals, we increase the potential to bear better fruit the farther we go. And for me to get up and preach to you some of these simple essential things is not unlike what my wife did yesterday when she took a roast and put garlic in it and seasoned it and put salt and pepper on it, just the right amounts, got the right gravy and got, had me chop up the onions and had me chop up the um, mushrooms and had me chop up all the vegetables. I, she made me do a lot of the hard work. And... Uh, 
And then she'd just put it at the right temperature, uh, slow at first, and then she'd raise it up a little bit hotter, and then bang, and let it rest, and served it, even to the last bite. I looked over at the people that were eating, I said, this is good. Look at somebody next to you and say, this is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And he's calling you the salt of the earth. He's calling you the light of the world. Pastor Jeff, I want to take issue with that. This is Jesus talking to the early disciples. They were the light of the world. They were the salt of the earth. He's the firstborn of many brethren, and he never changes. So yes, it's true that he was speaking to the uh, localized group in, that, in his earthly ministry, but these truths bump up into 2021. You're not off the hook. In fact, you're on the hook. Say this with me. I'm the salt of the earth. I'm the light of the world. And he says, don't hide your light under a bushel basket. It cannot be hidden. It says in verse 15, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. Now, this is for us reticent people that just kind of want to go through life and not make a lot of noise. But the reality is, um, Corey gave me a flashlight, or a sound man gave me a flashlight, and it has an on and off button. And uh, it's re- fortunately, it's rechargeable. But because I often will pull it out, I will have bumped it, and I pull it up, and it's lit in my pocket. Have you ever done that with your cell phone where you're like, man, why does my thigh feel like it's on fire? And it's because you've got that high-intensity light on your smartphone, and it somehow went on. How many of you have had that happen to you, and you're willing to admit it? How many of you have had that happen to you, and you're not raising your hand no matter what I ask? I know you. I know you. How many of you are, my leg's burning, pray for me. Oh, it's my phone. Nobody wants to admit that in here. Come on. But God doesn't want us to have a light just to be stuck in a pocket. He actually wants us to go out and let our lights so shine. Look at this next verse. It says that, that it's not to be put in a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. It gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, isn't that a verse? That's Matthew 5, 16. Um, Jesse Collin Young sang a song about letting your light shine. Before that, when he was in the Youngbloods in 1969, uh, what was that one pop song that the Youngbloods had? Come on, people, now smile on your brother. Everybody get together, try to love one another right now. I don't remember the name of it. Does anybody remember the name of that song? That was one of David Geffen's first attempts at producing, and it was Jesse Colin Young, Youngbloods. And in part of it, he sings about the one who came here and, was born of a virgin and lived a sinless life and performed miracles and died on the cross, and he's coming back. It actually is a song and part of the lyrics saying about Jesus. Did you know that? I knew that. I was lost when I heard it. I didn't get saved for three years after it came out, but God used those lyrics to make me think about Jesus. If we don't cry out, the rock musicians will cry out. And Edwin Hawkins, who is gospel gets a gospel hit to go on, on my AM radio, uh, Oh Happy Day, the Edwin Hawkins singers. That was good. 
when Jesus washed my sins away? What a hope when I was walking home from junior high and I used my allowance to buy a 144-ounce Slurpee (laughs) with 17 acres of sugar cane refined into it, wondering why my glucose level made me feel like I was having an out-of-body experience. And uh, I think I threw it threw down some uh, good and plenties. How many of you like uh, uh, black licorice? Raise your hands. How many of you hate black licorice? Okay, you're wrong. The other people are right. <laughs> you're the same ones that, lit, that your pocket lit up and you didn't admit it. <laughs> but I heard those songs and it made me yearn for something more than what I had in my little tract home in San Diego, 26 miles from the Tijuana border and right by the beach, wondering what in the heck life was about. And um, all the while, God pouring out his love toward me, moving on church. He attempted to reach me through a Baptist church on Galveston Street when I was a young kid, and they were evangelistic. And I'm happy to tell you that they're still there, and they built a new building, and they overlooked Mission Bay, and I'm the product. They impacted me, and I just want to honor that little Baptist church on Galveston Street, and I'm thankful they're still at it. Because a lot of Baptist churches, they grow by splitting, and I'm glad that one didn't split. Now, I don't know, maybe they did, I don't know, but at least they're still there. Uh, growing by splitting is uh, stupid. Um, that's what nuclear... Uh, fusion is that's that's that, what is that fission is when you split a heavy atom fusion is the less dangerous one when they come together right yeah so I, I'm getting all science science I'm looking at my smart guy and um, they're they're in fact they're building in Marseille France a uh, the biggest magnet in the world and they're trying to figure out how to create some green energy with those particular physics laws. And um, the magnet is so big that it could pick up a a 250 million pound aircraft carrier six inches off the ground. Not that it wants to do that, but it's just to illustrate how powerful it is. And it's gonna do something with a little bit of of, uh, plasma, and it's gonna through that heat it up to such a, like 150 million centigrade or something crazy I don't understand all the science of it, but I'm fascinated by it because I see spiritual parallels. The church of the Lord Jesus is not weak. It's not weakened by the external forces of the world. We're strong by the internal presence of God. And when he says you're the light of the world, you can bank on it. When he says you're the salt of the earth, you can bank on it. When he says go into all the world and preach the gospel and that signs and wonders will follow you, you can trust that he will be there. So when we see a group get up, drive 238 miles to an obscure place called Gilbertsville, Kentucky, where people sadly got hit by a terrible tornado and lives were lost and lives were broken, and we know that he's near the brokenhearted and that the supernaturalness of God would anoint people who set time aside to find comic books for a guy because it mattered, to find a cat for somebody because they cared about that cat, and to bring hope, uh, makes perfect sense to me. For us to be able to have resources during these times, to be able to give extra, 
which we did, and then get those groceries, and they were available with all the supply chain and all that stuff. We were able to get them. There are like multiple layers of blessing on that. So the steps and the procedures and the processes, but from A to B to get it done, but just this is what stimulates all of it. This is the epicenter moment, and I get to be the guy to restate the obvious to you that foundationally the basis on which uh, we are grounded, it's on the solid rock. Jesus is the one who died for our sins. This brother just said to me, man, we just celebrated his birth. Now we're into his miracles and in his ministry. He's getting ready to die for us on Easter. So he's just, look, he's just tracking. And I, Christmas Eve service, I said, I was going back and forth between the, the, the virgin birth and then the cross. And I said, I know I'm speaking about Easter because some of you, I might not see you till then. So I wanted to just get this whole story in. And they laughed. <laughs> they laughed because it was funny. Sad but true. But you guys are here, so I'm happy about it. Let's go to Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Uh, and, and this is where I want to land. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 is, to me, the foundational, focal point, big, most important aspiration a Christian should target. I know soul winning is important. Bible reading is important. Prayer life is important. The love walk, all these things all tie into this. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, God who knows everything, sees hearts. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the hearts. He knows who's going to respond to him and lean toward him. And when he calls them, they'll yield. He predestines to them to conform to the image of his son. Stop. Write that down. Underline it italicize it in your brain. God has called us to conform to the image of his son. And later in Romans, Paul said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. You're, you know, we're off to the races. We're on to something. And, and God has created you in Christ for good works, which he's prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Uh, your parenting, your motherhood, your work and your, your, your responsibilities on the job, your coming and going. If you factor what I'm teaching you in and you understand that these blessings will come upon you and overtake you and that you're a basket of deployables and that God has called you out of darkness to show forth his marvelous light, a, royal, a, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy people, a new creation breed, a new, a new species, a new race, where, where our citizenship is heaven. So I'm in, I'm in consistent alignment with my brother from India. Though we look different from each other, we are brothers made in God's image. We all have, we have, he and I have descended from Adam, right? Male and female, he created us. And there's no uh, uh, generation divide either because the last prophecy of the Old Testament was very hopeful about the hearts of the sons returning to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers to the sons. It's better now than when I was a child. When I was a child, there was a lot of injustice uh, and segregation on a high level. There's still a lot of more need for healing, but it's getting better. A lot of things uh, in a lot of ways, and I attribute it all to the gospel. 
Uh, anybody that, uh, if, you, if you see a lot of these good, healthy social changes, you're going to find Christians were praying and Christians were taking action. I'm just saying. I'm not just being biased about it. I even heard uh, a secular, an atheist uh, uh, professor from Tufts University in Boston kind of reluctantly admit that for the millennia, the church has done the heavy lifting. I appreciated his honesty. He, was, he wasn't spin doctoring. He said, I can't ignore it. And they said, what do you mean? He said, they, they take care of the poor. They, they watched out for injustice with the child labor laws. And they, he named off like 10 or 15 things. If Christians function the way the Bible teaches, things will be better. Um, it, 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 some cynics could say, well, that's like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic pastor and then playing a hymn. Well, but yet... Let's rearrange them and let's play a hymn so people will get saved before they go under. And I'm not a cynic. I believe that one act of obedience can precipitate and change a whole city or a whole country. A place like India, whole, the whole country could turn to the Lord Jesus in a moment. The whole continent of Africa, whole cities like Los Angeles or Houston or St. Louis or wherever you live or wherever you go, think about it. I'm believing God in this particular footprint, aren't you? That, that more and more people will turn toward the Lord. And it seems like it's ripe because it seems cold and harsh. You know, socially, it's like we already were distant and on our phones, mouth breathing and ignoring each other. And then we mask up and ignore each other. And then we, you know, don't, don't get six feet, don't, hey, don't, don't get any hate. I don't want you near me, man. You know, and it's, it's like, Okay, that's ridiculous because we're created for connection. We're social people, right? Pastor Jeff, you're treading out there in the politicized gobbledygook. Okay, well, then I'm coming back. Look what it says here. We conform to the image. This is God's purpose for us, to conform to the image of his son. And what was Jesus like? Jesus, it says in Hebrews uh, chapter 1, verse 3, is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. So conformity to Jesus has a practical target, and that practical target is the golden rule. And the golden rule is do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. We just had some good practice with Christmas. It's like a miracle we came out of it, some of us. Some of you are going, oh, it was really so much fun. But not, it was wonderful. Well, it, sometimes it intensifies things, let's face it. But God's called us to walk in what? Read these with me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So here we are, re-upping as the salt of the earth. I don't want to lose my savor and step out of the love walk. Instead of joy, be grumpy. Instead of peace, be in anxiety. Instead of patience, be all you know, worked up. Instead of kindness, be a jerk. I want to walk in goodness. I want to be faithful. I don't want to lapse, and I want to be gentle. David said, your gentleness has made me great. And uh, self-control, right? So this is what we do. This is the foundation. This is what we believe. We believe in just celebrating the virgin birth. Mary said, how can these things be? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. That's why he's fully God, 
Unto us a son is given, fully man. Unto us a child is born. Go figure. That's what I love about Jesus. And cults try to take away from the deity of Jesus. He is not the son of God. Yes, he is the son of God. No, he is not the son of God. Yes, he is the son of God. And by the way, he, did, he died on the cross. He did not die on the cross. Somebody took his place. No, he took my place on the cross. He was nailed. He had a, he had a, cr- a crown of thorns. He got pierced in his side. His feet were nailed to the cross. He died. He suffered and he died. No, he did not die. He just swooned. No, he did not swoon. I don't even know what swoon means, but he did not swoon. He died. And then he rose from the blooming grave. And that's Easter. Hallelujah. And he lived a sinless life. He never sinned. He was tempted in all points as we. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, all barraged Jesus constantly. Particularly noticed when he started in his ministry. And when you start something and you're about ready to move into into a new precipice or up into a new level, it's amazing how sin crouches at the door when opportunities are starting to knock. That's why it's so important that you make these dedicated dedications and these vital steps and say, Father, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to stand on the side. And this is why I'm teaching on this foundational stuff. Pastor Jeff, what do you think about this social issue? What do you think about this particular thing that these people are saying and that and this agenda and that? I I have a lot to say and think about it, but I only have a moment with you and I want to go to God's word. I'm not dumbing it down. I'm not oversimplifying. I'm, I'm laser focused on Jesus and his word. And and as we all should be, because the stakes are eternally high. There's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to avoid. And millions are in the valley of decision. And churches like ours and people like us are poised. God is cleansing. God is redefining. God's preparing us. And he's getting us ready to be salty, to have high wattage. That, That flashlight that Corey gave me has two settings. It has a regular kind of a light, uh, uh, low lumens, but then you pop it on and it's like, it'll fill up the whole forest. I mean, and it gets hot. It's like, whoa. And that's when I, I you know, my, my grandson wants the flashlight and he gets it at that level and then he blasts his own eyes and then he blames, blind, blinds our eyes. So, you know, we, we, we got to grow up a little bit on how we handle and flow in our, our gifts, callings, and talents. But, because you can make things too salty. You can make things, you can blast too much, get up in people's faces, and there's a flow, there's nuance to this. A guy talked to me at the front door, he said, Pastor Jeff, when I pray in the spirit, I sense this warmth, and and then he said, but sometimes not even when I'm praying in the spirit. I said, well, I'll tell you what that is. The Bible says, when you believe in him, as the scripture says, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water, and he's speaking of the Holy Spirit. So I say you're sensing God's presence, which makes sense when you're praying in the spirit. But it doesn't seem to make sense to you when it's just randomly coming on you through the day. And I thought, I'll I'll close with this. When I served Pastor Ron at another church for years, um, I, I did many weddings and funerals, and I preached for the youth, and I did counseling, and I did things that were patently spiritual in my responsibility in ministry as a pastor. And I sensed God's presence, and it was awesome. But when I bought an old 1924 farmhouse with some acreage, an old dilapidated house that needed a lot of repair, it was really a teardown, but I, we tried to fix it. We lived in it for years, made the best of it. It was small. But 
I remember I'd be mowing the grass with my son on my lap, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit would come on me for no reason. And I would drive along mowing the grass with my son. He'd fall asleep on my lap, and I'd hold him. And it was kind of hard to wrestle the steering wheel with it, but I thought, you know, this is just worth it for the bonding. And then uh, we decided to make a concrete patio. And so we had the concrete come in, and I was putting the concrete out, and the the anointing of the Holy Spirit came on me while I was putting the concrete out. And Now, you may say, well, Pastor Jeff, it was 98 degrees that day, 100% humidity, and you were passing out. And I, had, I did consider that. It's either the anointing, anointing or I'm about to fall flat on my face in this wet concrete and be fused in it. But no, it was actually the anointing. And this is what I learned about the nuance and the presence. And what I want to bring to you guys is you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. You're created in Christ for good works, which he prepared beforehand. This is foundational. This is actually more important than getting caught up in all the 50,000 words of rhetoric on whatever particular news broadcast, opinionated, spin doctoring world that's out there right now trying to alight on your brain. Uh, uh, this is the essential, eternal thing that we, are, we bought into that is preeminently more important than those important but lesser things. And uh, God for sure may use you to address some of those things, but you got to get it in priority and seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and make that priority to conform to the image of Jesus. And with that, go out and seek and save that which is lost. Figure out a way to be evangelistic in everything you do. Figure out a way to, if the word says to don't do this, then repent of it. If the Bible says something isn't right and then the society says it's right, they're calling evil good and good evil. You're going to have to go with the word, even if it rubs against your needs and your desires and your feelings. We've got to submit to God and not be conformed to this world, right? And the firm foundation of the Lord stands. So I want to say that Friday nights I'm teaching on the miraculous. I think it was a miracle that they found those comic books that actually weren't just magazines that were in somebody's house, but were actually the guy's retirement. And he's in the hospital, all broken up, and he finds out that, hey, we found your stuff, and most of it's in good shape. Then it's like, ah, think about the relief of that. God would have a group of people during Christmas get up, leave a place that, by the way, had a storm bearing down on us on Friday night, we came against it, and God delivered us, and it could have been a whole lot worse. Even that terrible tragedy at the warehouse in Edwardsville, it's six people, that's too much, but it could have been 60 people. God did a great miracle. God did a great work. And we get all well, but if God really loved us, what about you? And, 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 and I pray for the, family, the families of the six. I pray for those families. We put out those flags for the 13 that died in Afghanistan and the one particular one whose family is from down the street. And we, we are going to keep them out there because we want to remember and we want to be respectful, right? I don't have, really have a political bone in my body. I don't, I don't like politics. I don't like religious politics. I've seen so much stuff. I'm, I'm at a stage in my life where I, I'm freer than I've ever been I'm fresh. I do push-ups, so I'm stronger than I've ever been. I'm in denial about aging, so I'm like I'm 28 years old. Yesterday, I acted like I was 14 years old, according to my wife, so I'm staying fresh and young. But, yeah. 
Let's all stand up on our feet. Wow, I promised myself I'd finish before quarter till. I've got some hecklers up here saying there is a God of miracles. Second Corinthians 4, 4, in whose case about lost people, the God of this world, small g God of this world, that's the devil, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. The devil's got mind-blinding influence on people, but we as believers have to walk in the light as he is in the light. His word is light. And as we ponder these essentials, my takeaway from the service today is, is that, okay, I'm on a firm foundation. I'm serving an authentic Savior, Jesus. I don't just believe in the religiosity of Christianity. I believe in the substance of the person of the Lord Jesus, who is magnificent. No, he's not a superhero. Yes, he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's present in my life. And he sent the Holy Spirit, and I actually can walk in the anointing. So the guy I was talking to, he's starting to sense the presence of God on his life, was reminiscent for me of when the anointing was coming on me in practical places. So when we took the groceries to the 27th and 2nd Ward, just that gesture, it's not, it's not uh, a handout, it's not some sort of welfare handout, it's respect, it's I honor you. Here's some substance from my life to you in the name of Jesus. Go and make a great meal and have a good time together. Just know it's all about Jesus. No cameras. Let's just, no, we're not calling the media. Because, man, last time they did that, I didn't call him. Some other guy did showboating with his little trunk full of toys, acting like he was, the, like, and then I, I told the, the interviewer, I said, well, do you, do you want, want the spelling of my, oh, I know who you are. She called me two different names of two different pastors and called our church three different churches' names. Remember that, Patsy? So it's like, everybody say, Pastor Jeff, give up on that stuff. I gave up on that stuff a long time ago. They're just trying to make a paycheck and they're just talking. It's like, nah, I'm out for true riches. And you know, it's unlimited what somebody could do if they just don't care who gets the credit. And some of the best stuff you and I are going to do, you're not even going to have reinforcement for until you get to heaven. I hate to tell you that. One time I got all whiny and full of self-pity a little bit. And so I got two emails. One was from a, a man who came and sat in the back for a little while. I gave an altar call. He didn't raise his hand. He didn't come forward. But he did pray the sinner's prayer. He left, moved to Kansas City, fell in love, got married, raised children. They became adults. He said he served God from then on. His kids are now serving God, and one of them's going into ministry. And attributed it to an altar call that he didn't answer, that he didn't raise his hand. He wasn't in here long. He came and went. I never knew who he was. So God was basically saying, quit whining. So look at somebody next to you and say, quit whining. The next one, a lady from Chicago sent me an email with pictures of her sons. Pastor Jeff, I used to go to your church. We moved away because of a job change a long time ago, but let me tell you what happened. You prophesied this over this son, and then two or three years later, this over this son. These things all came to pass in, in minute detail. And, and she said, this one's now graduating from Wheaton College in pastoral ministry. This one's serving God. This one was a good big brother. It was a good example to the little brother, just like you said he would be. And I just thought you should know that. So I was like, so everybody say, get over it. No more self-pity. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. I stand on a firm foundation. 
Jesus is my king. I'm following him. I'm walking in the spirit. I'm walking in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Say, by my God, I can run through a troop, leap over a wall. He makes my feet like hinds feet. He sets me upon my high places. My life is poised. My church is poised. My household is blessed. We're ready for increase. We're ready for 2022. We're ready for new beginnings. Seasons of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Jesus is my Lord. I commit my heart to his will and his purposes. India shall be saved. Africa shall be saved. Brazil shall be saved. Europe, North America, Canada, United States, Mexico, Central and South America, all the nations, the islands, hundreds of millions of souls in my lifetime coming to Jesus. Amen.